Uh, let's, hey, if you want to open your Bible to uh, Genesis 32, we're just gonna we're gonna look at the life of Jacob here for just a minute, and just pull pull a few thoughts from the life of Jacob today. I was as I was praying, and I will admit it was last night. We had a busy week getting prepar- prepared for this uh, funeral and and celebration of of Jake McCandless and all the busyness that went into that week with just being all over the place and loving people. And so uh, we made it through yesterday. What a powerful time that was. What an awesome time it was. Uh, oh, man, it was just God God just showed up uh, with everybody. And uh, so I was praying last night. So I said, okay, Lord, I made it through Saturday, but I, I can't skip Sunday like some people did. You know, look at the empty chairs next to you. They're like, well, I came to church yesterday. It was really good. <laughs> it was it was packed out too, man. There's people everywhere. And uh, I stayed for lunch and, you know, I worked to the afternoon. And so thank you all for being here. Those of you that served yesterday and we're still here today. It's so awesome of you. Thank you. Uh, but I felt like the Lord just, just said Genesis 32. And so I wasn't sure what was in Genesis 32. Uh, and so I said, okay, I'm going to turn to Genesis 32. What's I, It's probably Abraham or Jacob or Joseph or something, you know. Uh, and so it's it's the life of Jacob, and so as I'm reading through the the chapter, uh, I mean it really just highlighted. I knew it was right then as I began to read. I was like, we're gonna we're gonna focus in on on the end of chapter 32 where Jacob wrestles with God, and so I want us to read that scripture. Uh, we're gonna read that passage in Genesis 32 verses 22 to 30 till the end, basically 32, uh, and then we're gonna go back and we'll pull some things from this story and kind of recap Joseph's life for those of us that don't know. I don't want to assume you, you know. Um, and uh, we'll recap his life and, and fill in the gaps here. So we're going to jump in. This is really the, the middle of Joseph's life. There's so much that's happened already. So it says, uh, That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons and crossed the ford of Jabok or Yabok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the man asked, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. And then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. And Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. And it says, Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip. In other words, the where the thigh is, because of the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. He was touched in that area by, by God himself. 
And so this is, man, this is like fascinating encounter here. Uh, I mean, don't you just love, don't you just love the encounters with God? I mean, this is, this is an encounter with God where God wrestles with a, with a guy. <laughs> and you're like, why did God do that? Why did, you know, uh, why, why did he, why did he show up like that? Why? How come God couldn't win? Well, he could have won if he wanted to, right? You know? It's like, oh man, Jacob was really strong. He could take God, you know? <laughs> God comes down and, like, you know, you know, it made me think of Jake McCandless <laughs> yesterday. Oh, I can take you all. I can do it all. I'm going <laughs> to, confidence. Okay. And so, um, same name too. Um, and so, you know, in order to understand this, you have to understand a little bit about Jacob's life. So we, we have to, we have to review Jacob for just a minute. And so I'm going to quickly try to fill in Jacob's life. So Jacob is the son of Isaac. Isaac was the promised son of Abraham. If you know Abraham, he's the one that promised that him and his wife Sarah would have a child. And they didn't have a child till he was 100 and she was 90 years old. And they waited on the promise of God for 25 years. And all these different things happened. Then Isaac is born. And so, and then of course Abraham, God tells Abraham in Genesis 22, hey, you're going to have to sacrifice Isaac. In other words, you're going to have to give up the promise. You're going to have to lay down what's most precious to you. And I want you to kill him. And so Abraham says, God, I'm going to give you, it doesn't matter, you know, no one else but you, basically, what that song said. No one else but you is important. So if you say that, then I'm going to do it. I don't know, I don't understand it. I don't know why you would have me do this thing, but I'm going to do it. And so Abraham goes up on the mountain. Of course, we know that God stops him just as he's got the knife raised with his son, with his 12-year-old son on the altar ready to kill him, and God provides a sacrifice in the place of his son, and so he kills that sacrifice, a ram that's caught in the thicket, and of course, that's a beautiful picture of the father giving his own son. It's a foreshadowing of what the God the Father is going to do with Jesus, and so it's a picture of salvation, and then so Isaac grows up, and he gets a wife whose name is Rebecca, and they have they have twin. She has twins, and the twins come out in an amazing way. The first one comes out, and he's covered in red hair, and they name him Esau, which basically means red. I mean, like, you're super red, man. <laughs> so we're going to call you that. And, but it then says the second child came out holding on to the, to the ankle or the heel of the other child, the, the twin, and so they named the second one Jacob. Jacob, which literally means the the grasper at the heel or deceiver and so you know sometimes you got to check on those bible names anyway um <laughs> what does that mean um so jacob you know is he lives up to his name for most of his life he is a he is a finagling uh finagling dude he works the system he 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 lies and deceives and cheats to his advantage. And so he does it with his own brother Esau. You know, Esau comes in one day and he, you know, Jacob stayed at home. Jacob was kind of like the mama's boy and Esau was the man's man. Esau was out doing the hunting and doing all the stuff. And he was, you know, he, he was all coming in stinky and smelled like a West Texas man, right? After he'd been hunting. 
Ladies, you know what that smells like, right, when they get back from the hunting trip? And, you know, so Esau comes in. He is tired. He is hungry. And he looks, and Jacob's cooking some stew. And he says, give me some of that soup, man. That's, that smells amazing. And Jacob, because he is living up to his name, even as a baby, he's coming out trying to be first. I mean, that's the whole point is he was grasping at the heel. In other words, no, I'm coming out first. I'm going to be the firstborn son, not you. And he's holding on. And so he says, okay, Esau, you can have some soup. You can have some of this stew if you just give me your birthright. Which is a big deal in the, in the, in the Hebrew Jewish culture. And so he's like, you know, give me, give me the right of birth. You know, give me all the benefits of being, you know, the firstborn. And so Esau, who we're not preaching about today, Esau sells his birthright just for because he's so hungry and needs a meal. He is so consumed with his fleshly desires that he'll give up the promise and the blessing uh, for just satisfaction and pleasure in the moment. So, of course, Esau is a picture of us in our own flesh when we just satisfy ourselves and we sell off everything good from God and say, that's not important, you're not enough, basically, and I'm just going to please myself in this moment right now. I'm just going to choose to fulfill my fleshly desires. Right now, for him, it was, uh, it was just food, it was hunger, but whatever that fleshly desire is, that we will fulfill it and instead of holding on to what God has promised for us and who has marked our lives with the right of birth in, in, in Jesus. So uh, that's free. That's not in the notes. Um, so Jacob is working the system. So he does that. And then something else happens is Isaac is going to die. And, of course, in that culture, when they were about to die, is what they would do is they would, they would pass on the blessing of the family. And so it was a very powerful thing, very, uh, very important thing. And so... To summarize quickly, I'm really trying to do it quickly. And so what happens is this. Jacob and his mom conspire together because Rebekah, his mother, likes Jacob better and Isaac likes Esau better. So there's kind of like this, this rift in the family of favoritism. It's kind of this brokenness that they... They, it goes on to the next generation and, you know, with, with Jacob and Joseph. And so they say, he says, look, your, your dad is so old that we can fool him. We can, we can, we can totally fool him. So you're going to, you're going to go out and we're going to, we're going to get, you know, Esau's going to go hunting and bring an animal in, but we're, we're going to just take one of the animals we already got here. Whole lot easier than hunting. We already got it. And we're going to kill this animal, and I'm going to prepare it because I'm going to prepare it the way he likes it. And then we're going to take the hair from the animal, and we're going to put it all over your arms and hands and face so that your father thinks you're Esau because he can't see anymore. He's so blind that he's, he's not going to be able to look at you and recognize whether you're Jacob or Esau. And so Isaac, so Jacob works this plan with his mom to deceive his own father to get the blessing of his father. I mean, you see how Jacob's life is going? And so they do it, and it works. He goes to his father, and his father says, Who is that? What's your name? 
It's important later. <laughs> What's your name? He says, I'm Esau, your firstborn. But it was Jacob. He was lying. And his dad is, you know, he's old, but he's like, man, it sure, you sound like Jacob. But then he gets closer. He's wearing one of Esau's, you know, coats or, you know, animal skins and stuff. And he's got the hair on there because Jacob was smooth skin and Esau was just like a hairy dude. Like he was just like, ah. you know, every part of his body is covered with hair, you know, like Gaston from Beating the Beast. Okay. Uh, we just watched that. So, um, and so they go and, and, the, and the whole interchange happens. And so Isaac says, okay, you're my son. And so he declares the blessing over Jacob, the blessing of the firstborn son. And he does, he promises all this stuff over Jacob and says, this is going to happen and you're going to, you know, people, your, your siblings will be ruled by you and all this stuff. You're going to have increase and, uh, you're going to have influence. You're going to have all this stuff. Basically, the promise of God is going to be released in your life. All these things. So he leaves. Right after that, the real Esau shows up and he's killed his animal and he comes up and he comes to his father and says, Father, it's Esau. And it says Isaac begins to be troubled. If you're Esau, you've already been here. What are you doing? Why are you coming again? You only get one blessing. And he didn't say it like that, but pretty close. And so Esau says, no, it's me. I haven't been here before. And then they both realize that Jacob has deceived them. And so Esau begins to wail, it says, in, in sorrow and says, please bless me too. And Jake, and Isaac, excuse me, Isaac says, I've already blessed him. I can't bless you. In other words, the, it's already been released. I, I can't, I don't have anything else to give you. And so Esau, what does Esau do? He begins to hate Jacob. And Jacob has to flee his own family because of his own brother's hatred, and he's going to kill him. So Jacob goes, and he, he reaps what he sows. Jacob reaps what he sows. He goes to another land, and he finds a wife that he wants from a man named Laban. And so Laban is like Jacob. He works the system in his favor. He deceives people. He does things underhandedly and does it for his own benefit. And Jacob says, I want your daughter, I want to marry your daughter, daughter Rachel. And she was the younger daughter. The older daughter, Leah, apparently was not very attractive or something. That's what it says in the Bible, okay? I'm not trying to go there any more than I need to. It says just, you know, he didn't like her, okay? She was not attractive, but Rachel was, was, she was like, beauty queen, okay? And so he says, I want to marry Rachel. And so on the, you know, the, the wedding feast was, was, a, was a long time back then. It wasn't just like an hour ceremony and then it's over. So they had the wedding feast. So Jacob, they get him so drunk that he doesn't realize that he goes to, any kids in here? He goes to bed that night and he can't even tell which sister he has in the bed with him. Because Laban deceives Jacob and says, I'm going to give you Leah. We got to make sure she gets married first. No one's going to pick her. So we got to, we got to get her married off with the family. I mean, I mean, it's just, it's just what the scripture says. It's basically what was happening. And so Jacob is deceived by someone else in a similar way that he has deceived others, right? So he's, he's reaping what he sows. He is receiving the, the actions that he is giving out and planting in his life. And so then he, he, of course, also, Laban says, he had promised, he says, you gotta work for me seven years to get my daughter. In other words, that's your, your dowry, you know, your wedding 
payment. Uh, and Jacob says, well, I came to marry Rachel, not Leah. <laughs> and so Laban says, okay, just work another seven years. So you got 14 now. <laughs> so Laban, again, he's, he works the whole, you know, he deceives Jacob. And so Jacob submits to that. He, he agrees to it because he so wants to marry Rachel. And so, I mean, he has two wives and we won't address that issue. Uh, that is just what was happening. It's what, what they did back then. Um, they figured it, that's why we don't do it now. They figured out it was a bad idea. Okay. Horrible, (laughs) horrible plan. Um, and uh, (laughs) move on, right? So Jacob then, you know, basically he has things going back and forth with Laban the whole time. There's, there's this, there's this give and take. There's this, we're both trying to, to get at you with Jacob working for Laban and working the flocks. And I think Ashley preached on some of this at some point, you know, where Jacob basically gets everything, but he does it in some ways in an underhanded way by rigging the system and the breeding system of the, of the flocks so that he gets all the flocks and Laban has nothing left. And so then Laban gets mad with him. So he's burnt the bridge of this family too. <laughs> so he says, I guess I'm going to drive back at the first family and see if I can get back there. So he's heading back home. And as he's heading back home, he gets word at the start of chapter 32, Esau is coming and he has 400 men with him. And it says in verse 7, it says, In great fear and distress, Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups. Um, and so basically, really the words there, in great fear and distress, mean he was like incapacitated with fear. He was overcome with fear. He, in other words, he's like, I'm going to die. This is it. My, my life is done. And so that's, that's the place he's in. He is in the place where he does not believe that he's gonna make it. And so again, what does he do? He begins to try to say, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna split up. We're gonna do this. We're gonna make this work. And we're gonna, we're gonna somehow appease Esau. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my thing one more time. In other words, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the deceiver one more time. And we're gonna get out of this thing. I mean, Jacob was that guy, you know those people that can like talk their way out of anything? You ever been around those people where they just, they get in trouble and somehow, you know, you're with them, it's their fault and somehow it ends up being your fault every single time and they're just like, what, what just happened? And so that's, that's who Jacob was. I mean, he was just that guy that, that worked, he was totally selfish, he was all in his favor and so, God has to come to Jacob because Jacob cannot stay like this and receive and really live in the fullness of the promise of God. And so that's the point where we pick up in our account tonight, or this morning, whatever time it is, um, where Jacob wrestles with this man. And it says he sent his family across the Jabbok River. It's interesting, I'm, I'm pulling some notes from the, the Passion Translation. They have such good notes on the Hebrew and the culture. I love reading, I almost love reading the notes more than the, the actual translation of the Bible. But it says that the word Jabbok means emptying. It means emptying. So in other words, Jacob sends all that he has across the river. So there's an emptying in Jacob's life. Because until you empty yourself of everything that you have, 
everything that you're relying on, everything that you're trusting, you can't be, you can't be the fullness of who God created you to be. And so Jacob empties, it says he sent everyone, everything he owned and every person in his life that was valuable to him. And he let it go across the river, the river Jabok or Yabok in Hebrew. And it says that after he sent them across the stream that this man shows up. And we don't know who the man is at first and neither does Jacob. Jacob probably thought at first, this is Esau ambushing me. I mean, think about it. He's like, who's going to show up where I am and just like attack me at night? You know, like what is going on here? And so uh, and and so at first he, he may think it's Esau. And it's interesting. What happens is is the word for wrestle in, in Hebrew. I want to just read this because it's so amazing. The Hebrew word for wrestle is related to the word dust or get dusty as two people do when wrestling on the ground. There's an amazing play on words in the Hebrew between the wrestling, between Yabok, Jabok, the the river, and Jacob. The eyes of Jacob could not discern who was coming out of the shadows in the same way as Jacob's father Isaac could not discern who it was that received his blessing. Is that interesting? It was not Jacob wrestling a man, but a capital M man wrestling with Jacob, the one whom Jacob saw at the top of the stairway at Bethel. Remember, he had, Jacob also had an encounter with God when he laid down his head. It says he saw heaven and the angels coming up and down. So it's the very one who was at the top of the stairway at that place that he called Bethel, house of God. That, that one had come down to wrestle with him and roll in the mud of Jacob's mistakes. You know, I feel like this year, man, there's been a lot of wrestling going on. Have you, have you had a lot of wrestling? And you're, at first we're like, and again, I'm not, don't misunderstand me like all the bad things that happened this year. It's God causing them or God whatever. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I think in the midst of this year, we find ourselves wrestling with God in a lot of ways. That he comes down in the midst of our brokenness. He comes down in the midst of our us trying to just make it work. You know, we're just like, I, I can do it. I can cut, you know, I can work the system. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna make it God. I'm gonna cut the corners spiritually. And I'm gonna do the thing. I'm just, it's, it's not totally bad. You know, it doesn't quite say in the Bible it's a sin, but you know, it's, it's, you know, maybe it could go either way. Uh, you know, some, uh, and we just try to, try to make it. And we're just like wrestling. You know, we're wrestling life. We're wrestling our situations. We're wrestling, you know, our past. We're wrestling our mistakes. And that's, that's kind of the place Jacob was in. It's like everything was coming to a head for Jacob. He's like, I, I can't get out of this now. I can't just, you know, use my own human ability to free myself. I can't use just my intellect or the talents that God gave me or, you know, the way I've always talked my way out of it where I'm just a smooth-talking dude. I just can't get out of it this time. And God's like, I've got you finally in the place that I want you, where it's just you and me in the dirt. 
You and me in the dirt of your nastiness, you and me in the dirt of your sin, of your brokenness, of your, of your pain. It's just you and me, and we're wrestling around. And it's interesting, isn't it interesting, that God asked Jacob, what's your name? Because at some point, at some point, Jacob realizes this is not, this is a supernatural being. I mean, he realizes that. He realizes this is not Esau. This is, this is not something normal. This is a, he realizes this must be someone from God or is God. And God, you know, makes, lets him think that he's winning, like says, hey, let me go. <laughs> like God needed him to say permission, like, oh, let me go, please. But, you know, I mean, it's, it's just a beautiful picture of the Lord. He comes in and he's in the midst of our, our stuff going on and he, he empowers us. He says, hey, I'm, I want you to ask for something. I want, I want you to reach out for it. I want you to, to say, hey, bless me. And so Jacob says, hey, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. And then the man says, what's your name? And it's so important because the last time someone who is going to bless Jacob asked for his name, he gave someone else's name. He had to pretend to be someone else to get the blessing. And so it's totally, I've never seen this before, so I, I thank the Passion Notes as well. It's just like, oh wow, I see it now. There's, there's these moments when God says, okay, are you going to quit pretending that you're someone else? Are you going to quit trying to be someone else? Are you going to quit trying to make excuses? Are you going to quit trying to, to do, you know, to take care of your own redemption? <laughs> are you going to try to quit trying to save yourself and let me save you? Let, let me be the one. And so God asks him, what is your name? And Jacob has to admit, my name is Deceiver. My, my name is Deceiver. That, that's, who, that's who I am. That's who I've become. That's, that's how I live my life. I'm just, I'm just a one who is grasping at the heel. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a Deceiver. And isn't it amazing that God says, that's not your name anymore. That's not your, that's not your name anymore. I'm going to change your name. Your name's now Israel. I want to. I think that it has, you know, an Israel is one that struggles with God and prevails. In other words, you're you're an overcomer. Uh, let's see. It, it has something else here. Uh, where is it? May God preserve. Or it means this. So Israel, Israel means one who struggles with God and prevails. May God preserve. Or prince with God. I thought that was interesting. And so God says, look. You're not going to be defined anymore by what has been your way of life. You're not going to be defined anymore by the way that other people even see you. Uh, because guess what? When he goes to see Esau, as far as Esau is concerned, you're definitely Jacob. You're definitely deceiver. You know, that's what his, Laban, his father-in-law, oh man, he had the father-in-law issues, Okay. <laughs> I don't have father-in-law issues. I want to declare that. Oh, Dan is here. <laughs> You're in here too. That's interesting. I thought you were going down there. I wanted to get in trouble today. <laughs> trying to find some way to offend somebody. Um, so, uh, 
So to Laban, Jacob was still deceiver. And maybe even, you know, Isaac has passed on. So his, his dad has, has gone, has died. Uh, and so, you know, to the rest of his family, he's still deceiver. But to God, it matter. It, it, it's what God says that matters. It's who, who God says you are that matters. It's, it's the name that he's given you. It's an amazing that Jesus, uh, when we come to Jesus and we give our hearts to him, it's like he gives us a new name. I mean, he doesn't change our natural name. It's like, okay, well, your name's not John anymore. We're going to call you Bartholomew or something. You know, what, um, you know, he doesn't take it. It's not in the natural, but Jesus comes to us and says, guess what? When you pray, you're going to pray in my name. In other words, I've, I've given you a new name. Now, you're now marked with Jesus. You know, you're now marked with my name. You know, you're, you're, a, you're a son or a daughter. You're, you belong in the, the family of God. And it's the same with Jacob. He's like, look, look, you're the prince. You're a prince in the kingdom of God. You're, you're the one who struggles with God. You're the, you're the overcomer. You're the one who's, who's going to be victorious. And this is the beginning of the change for Jacob. Does he become perfect after this? No. <laughs> Does he still sometimes act like the old guy? Does he still a few times work the deceiver thing? Yeah, but it begins to be it begins to be worked out of him. He begins to change and he is also able to face his fear. He's able to say, "Okay, I'm just going to go to Esau and I'm going to I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to I'm just going to ask for forgiveness basically." And that's what he does. He sends everybody in front of him. He sends like all these gifts to Esau says like and then he comes on the ground and he crawls on the ground before Esau and says, "Brother, just please just don't hurt me." <laughs> and Esau in that moment, whether it was in that moment or something happened before, he says, "Get up, you know, you're my brother." I mean, I think in some ways, and due to Jacob's humility, that Esau recognized this is not the same guy. And it'll happen the same way for us. As Jesus changes us, you know, people are still, people always see us by who we were. You know, we, we all get, we just get stuck, you know. We do it with our kids, you know. Our kids are forever this age. Or, you know, this person is in our life is, you know, Especially if they're younger, right? They're, we forever see them right here. And it, it really takes a, a move of God in our hearts to say, okay, I'm going to see them, I'm going to see this person not for who they were, but who they are now. And that's really maturity. In a mature community, we, we begin to see one another where we don't leave them who they are. I mean, thank goodness that Ashley is still not just seven-year-old little Ashley running around this church. That we've got people who watched her grow up, that received the word of God from her when she preaches. I mean, that's a sign, that's a sign of maturity where we're able to say, I am going to recognize that even though when you were a young whippersnapper or when you were younger or with you know, for a lot of your life, you were this other person, but now Jesus has done something in your heart and he's making his new name manifest in your life. And so you're changing. I'm going to recognize that. I'm going to honor you and I'm going to give place to you that you are not who you were. And I don't have to leave you in that box. I don't have to leave you in the box of who you were five years ago. But Jesus has transformed you. So I want to look at you like you are now and recognize what God has said about you. And that breaks down, you know, it's like Jacob's humility. That begins to break down barriers of, 
of bitterness and brokenness. And really the only way that that happens is just like Jacob is you have to have a face-to-face encounter with God. You know, a lot of people think going to, going to church and trying to be a good person, I'm just going to live a right life. Like, that's not enough. And it doesn't work. It doesn't ever really work. You don't ever get changed. The life, you're supposed to be transformed into a new person. You should go back to people that you haven't seen for 15 years and they should say, what happened to you? I don't recognize you. I mean, I physically recognize you. You look way older. You got less hair and more fat and whatever. You know, you look, you more wrinkles, you're aged. But, you know, but, okay. <laughs> don't you look in the mirror? I look in the mirror too. I'm like, who's that dude? <laughs> What's wrong with this thing? This new house, I got a different mirror. We need to replace him. So, anyway, you know, I mean... Not physically, but spiritually, even relationally, in the way you, you the way you recognize people, the way you interact with people, people should go. What happened to you? I don't know who you are anymore. Now, those of us that walk with each other day by day, we sometimes don't notice the changes dramatically because we're we're being changed from glory to glory. We're being changed incrementally. But when we truly look back and go, man, look at the change. Look at the change. Look at the change. Look what Jesus has done in our lives. And so my encouragement to you this morning is if you're wrestling with God, whether that's a personal issue in your life, whether that's a situation in your family, whether that's a season of life you're in, whether it's just, you know, the situation in our world or our nation, whatever it is, if you're wrestling, then make sure who you're wrestling with. And let them, you know, if God is the one wrestling with it, you, uh, you know, don't let him go and say, God, you do something in my life. I don't want to let you go. I don't want to let you go till you do something. Transform me. Let me free from this thing that's holding me back. Lord, let me not be this person anymore. Transform me. Deliver me, God. I don't want to just use a little religious medicine to spiritually medicate myself to just make it through that I want to be transformed so that I don't need just a little spiritual medication, but I am free and healthy and I am totally delivered from that disease that was holding me back spiritually or relationally or with my mouth or with my thoughts, whatever it may be, that I am not just spiritually medicating myself anymore, that I am healed. So let's stand. We're going we're gonna to pray here. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I just, I just pray you're encouraged by this encounter. There's some, some unique things in there. And so, Father, I just declare right now in each and every life, Lord, whatever season of life we find ourselves in this morning, Lord, maybe it's just a short season we're in. Maybe it's this whole year. Maybe it's just the last five years. Um, Whatever it may be, Lord, we choose to, first of all, just lay our lives down in the dirt before you. We choose to humble ourselves. We choose to say, God, you define who we are. You tell me who I am. 
Don't let me try. I don't want to figure it out anymore. I don't want to try to make it happen anymore. I don't want to do it in my own strength anymore. Lord, you tell me who I am. I've been someone else that I don't need to be God, and so I'm giving you my heart. I'm freshly giving you my future. I'm giving you my present. I'm giving you my hopes. I'm giving you my dreams. I'm, I'm going to lay those things all down at your feet and allow you to do something. But God, don't, I don't want to let you go until you do something in my life. Till you release your blessing in my life. Till you declare your name over my life. Till you declare your desires for my life. Till you declare who I'm meant to be. My giftings and my callings. Whatever it is that I desire, Lord, the freedom that you want me to walk in, I want you to do it. And so, Lord, I just pray for every single person. Lord, I pray for an emptying. Lord, if we're at the season where we just need to send stuff across the river, God, and just let them go, Lord, we just choose to let those things go. The things we've held on instead of you, the things that, that we've trusted in instead of you, the things that make us feel secure, we let go of those things. Hey, God, we're going to empty ourselves so that you can fill us, so that you can build us back up, so that you can make us who we're, we're meant to be. Lord, if we're in the season of wrestling right now, God, we just, we just pray that even all the dirt that we're in right now, God, we pray that you would just wrestle us out of that and give us a new name, Lord. Speak something new into our hearts, Lord. Fresh vision, Lord. Fresh perspective, Lord. Fresh encouragement, whatever it is, the fresh power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, Lord, that you would give us fresh endurance, Lord, to press on and to not give up in what you've called us to do, Lord, to hold on to you, Lord, if we need provision in our lives, God, whether that's financially or with our relationships, we trust you to provide what we need. Lord, we trust you for wisdom. We trust you for our future. We trust you with our children, God. We trust you with our finances. God, we trust you with jobs. Those that need jobs, God, we trust you to deliver and provide and, and give us exactly what we need. Lord, it's you that we're looking to, Jesus. Forgive us when we've looked to someone else or when we've tried to do it on our own. We choose to trust you in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this fresh word in our season. God, stir things up in our hearts. Lord, I just pray for each and every person as well. Lord, there's things you need to reveal to them. Holy Spirit, help them hear what you are saying most of all. We need to hear what you're saying, God. And so even if it's a season of wrestling, God, we're going to hear your voice. We're going to listen to what you're saying to us and that you're close to us. And, Lord, we just thank you for encounters with you, that people have encounters where they'll be, it'll be like they're face-to-face with God. Maybe it's not physically like Jacob in this, in this, in, in this story, but maybe it's spiritually where we're just caught up in your presence, God. And we just hear from you. Help us hear your voice even more clearly than we have in the past. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, um, we, a lot of our leaders are out, but Ronnie